the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I know a place where we can go to lay the troubles down in your soul. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Now, your host, Eric Cartier, Senior Pastor of Rocky Mountain Calvary Church. Like a Welcome to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. What do you guys think? Are we going to get the big uh, snowstorm that's uh, coming in? We'll find out. So if we do get snow in, in April, pretty pretty crazy, but we definitely need the moisture. I've got a, a really good friend, a great guest today. I think you're going to be really blessed. Uh, Gary Wilkerson is with me live in studio. Gary, welcome to the program. Thank you, Pastor Eric. It's a joy to be with you. So Gary is the president of World Challenge and also just published a book called Fire in the Bones that we're going to talk about today. But Gary, I'd love for the listeners to get a chance to know you for those that maybe don't uh, know you, uh, specifically like your background with the, with the Springs. I know you planted Springs Church and share a bit of your story with uh, yeah. Colorado Springs. Love being in Colorado Springs. Um, first, I would say just to introduce myself a little bit, I, I am head over heels in love with Jesus. Mm. He's the thrill of my life. I yeah. mean, nothing satisfies my soul like him. Mm. When I go to other alternatives, I always find them sour and useless and hopeless. And then I turn back to Jesus and he, he is more than sufficient for all of our needs. So, you know, that's been the primary purpose and calling of my life. And, uh, uh, I got called in the ministry when I was a teenager, and was mostly to do church planting. So my earliest church plant was 23 years old wow. in the inner city of Detroit, Michigan. And then my father, David Wilkerson, was starting a church in New York City called Times Square Church. And he said, hey, would you be willing to leave Detroit and come help me plant this church in Times Square? And did that move to, to New York. Uh, I was there about seven or eight years. And then uh, just well, my wife and I had been here to Colorado on our honeymoon and uh, every year, almost since a vacation, we just loved it. And one day we felt like the Lord said to us, where would you go if you could go wherever you wanted to go? And I just said, uh, Colorado. And a door opened up for us to move here. And uh, we've never looked back. It's the, uh, I've been in 72 countries and probably 200 cities uh, at least. And there's no place like Colorado Springs. People mm-hmm. ask me, like, what's my favorite place to go? And that's not Hawaii or, or Fiji. It's, it's, it's uh, just home in Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. I love that. It reminds me of delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. You know, my pastor growing up, everybody asked him like, why did you plant a church in Southern Oregon? He's like, I liked it here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When, when I felt like the Lord said, you know, I knew my time was up working with my dad and, uh, I felt like the Lord said to me, it's like, where would you go if, if you go anywhere in the world? And I, and I, I I like almost rebuked it at first. Like, you know, get behind me, Satan. I I can't go where I want to go. That's the flesh. And he just kept driving it home. Like, no, this is this is you know the desire of your heart. Yeah, it's so powerful. And then you started Springs Church in like two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We came here to uh, open up a new office for our World Challenge, which is a missions organization, and we do pastors' conferences and teaching and training and materials for the body of Christ for their spiritual growth. So I came here to do that, 
but then uh, a small group of uh, Bible study asked me to come and teach. We were studying the book of Ephesians together, and uh, just one thing led to another. And before long, it was a full-fledged church, and they sort of uh, moved me into the role of pastor. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't sure I wanted to be a pastor again. I'd been one most of my life at that point. And, yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I have some skills of teaching. But I'm not like like you. I know you enough to know you are a pastor. You know, you just have that uh, pastor's that, that divine pastor's heart, and I, I don't really have that. I just you know, I love the word. I love study. I love teaching. But um, you know, just running the church and the business. So when the church, we were there about ten years, and when it got to you know to to be a fairly large church, moderate sized church, yeah, it just was overwhelming me. And uh, fortunately, I had a youth pastor like you when you were. I heard earlier you said 27 years old, you took over your church. And, uh, uh, you know, so my friend was able to do that at Springs Church. And so he's a youth pastor. And he was a youth pastor, yeah. Wow, that's and, awesome. And young. He was probably a little older than you were when you started. He's probably, he might have been 29, yeah. maybe 30. That's th- great. Probably not even 30, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So were you president of World Challenge and pastoring at the same time yeah. and wearing both hats? Yeah, and that was part of the difficulty, you know, just, uh, you know, involved in some missions work. Um, part of World Challenge is caring for the poorest of the poor. So we mm-hmm. were doing feeding programs in places like South Sudan. And so I was trying, I'd be gone two, three weeks to South Sudan. It's what, you know, it, it's yeah. like you can't really pastor faithfully. And um, that's one of the things I learned. If you're going to be a pastor, stick with your flock. You know, yeah. you can travel on a weekend occasionally, but you, you can't really run a organization to do pastors' conferences around the world and right. and lead a missions organization. Is, and it was just burning me out it's a little bit too much. I was just getting. To, to, I, was, I was leaving some things undone, and uh, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to hurt people. I didn't want to cause any, you know, kind of like the, the doctor's oath, you know, first thing, do no harm. Mm. You know, and, and I found myself, I, I don't I didn't say I was harming people, but I just was leaving, you know, just don't, I don't have the leadership skills to do both. Yeah. <laughs> I could barely do one of them at a time. That's that's really difficult. Yeah. 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 We've really been blessed to partner with World Challenge at Rocky Mountain Calvary. You guys have partnered with us locally here in the community, but also some efforts missionally in Peru and Uganda. Uh, yeah. For those that don't know about World Challenge, how would you guys describe your guys' vision and goals? And Well, first let me say, honored to partner with you in uh, some of the things we've done. The youth conference at yeah, that was Church, fun. Uh, unrestricted, and uh, just seeing the, the hundreds of young adults uh, just zealous for the Lord, and then some of the missions work as well. So, yeah, but uh, World Challenge kind of has, has two uh, aspects to it. One is uh, we call it the uncompromised preaching of the gospel. We believe that uh, in an age of spiritual declension, uh, there's no real answer to that through morality or, hmm. you know, I, I believe in we as Christians, uh, we, I'm a great patriot. I still cry when I hear the national anthem, yeah. but I don't think politics is our answer. Right. I think Jesus is the answer in the gospel. So it's it's the messaging end of things. And the second end of that is, comes from the scripture where you know, when the when the church of Jerusalem, I think it was, sent Paul out and said, they asked me this one thing, they asked me, always remember the poor. Hmm. So his agenda, his calling was preaching the gospel and planting churches, but here was an element that he was asking. He said, that's the very thing I love to do. Hmm. And that's that would be the scripture verse that would maybe identify what world challenges like, hmm. preaching the gospel, uh, encouraging pastors and leaders to uh, get into the word and become Christocentered, Christ-centered. Uh, but then out of that, the Lord has supplied us some certain resources, and we use as much of that as we can to help uh, go into unreached people groups and to the poorest of the poor. Mm. And when those two things 
mix. That's where that's our sweet spot. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, like Middle Eastern nations that are suffering in, in poverty, places like Yemen, and hmm. um, that um, you know just don't have the gospel, uh, preach the gospel where he's not been spoken of already. So that's yeah. that's pretty much in a nutshell of a little bit what, about what World Challenge is. Yeah, I love that. Powers in the gospel. And yeah. Jesus is all about the poor. That's that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, but we, man, we're grateful to your church. Rocky Mount Calvary has not only been a great influence and um, joy to the city, but to us as well at, at World Challenge. We're thankful to you as a pastor and your your team. We've gotten to know a few of your folks and. Well, I was uh, sold on World uh, Challenge years ago. My first exposure to World Challenge was Corey Yard. Corey is he was one of your guys' missionaries. Yeah. And I know he's now started his own thing, but yeah. he was doing inner city outreach here in the Springs, down in a difficult part of the, the Springs, and, and just going in every week, bringing food, bringing the gospel, bringing rap. And yeah. I was like, man, this guy is awesome. And yeah. uh, you guys have really been a yeah. huge blessing. He was city. with us for a number of years, but we really miss him. As, yeah. Like I said, he's uh, he's got that calling of uh, rap and music in his yeah. life. But uh, yeah, we had some good times. And a, a mutual friend of ours, Chris Kroger, who's yeah. the pastor uh, in Monument, the uh, Calvary Chapel Church up there in Monument, uh, which, by the way, is my wife and I are attending church there and just loving it, absolutely thrilled. But he was uh, in a music group. I don't know if you remember the name of his group or not, but... Yeah, uh, I'm forgetting off yeah, the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, remember, but yeah, he, he was but a him, rock and roll guy. band came down and would do uh, live music, and then we would have like giveaways for kids, like you know, yeah. a raffle for bicycle, and then there's a be a big barbecue. Yeah, and uh, man, just dozens, if not more, people got saved. Corey Ard's uh, cousin, uh, who was struggling, uh, met Christ at one of those meetings as well. Yeah, and, yeah so it's been been a joy. That's really cool. Are you listening to Crosswalk Colorado Springs with Pastor Eric Cartier? I have Gary Wilkerson with me. He's the president of World Challenge. If you want to stay with us when we come back, we're going to talk about his new book, Fire in His Bones. Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. Hope that you're doing well. We're live in studio today. Gary Wilkerson is with me, the president of World Challenge, and World Challenge is headquartered right here in Colorado Springs. And Gary's recently written a new book, just published, Fire in His Bones. And and Gary, would you share with us what prompted you to write this book? And um, basically, out of a relationship with my father, mm. uh, he he was fairly well known in Christian circles. Uh, wrote the Cross and Switchblade and started the Teen Challenge and Times Square Church. But uh, I always remember being inspired by more than anything else his preaching. You know, mm. just when he got up into the pulpit, it was like um, something came over him. Just mm. uh, there was a gravitas, a, mm. a weightiness, mm. and a reverence for the Lord that just uh, kept kept blowing me away. It's like in a mm. And so I just wanted to try to do something to honor him. Yeah. And at the 50th anniversary of World Challenge, the ministry that I'm president of now, but he f- founded that um, after the, at the 50th anniversary, I thought, what if we put 50 of his most powerful sermons together hmm. in one book? Uh, we were able to do that. Uh, Fire in His Bones is, is the name of one of his sermons that he preached that, to me, see, to, sort of speaks to who he was as a man of God. Hmm. Uh, he, he saw the... Like Jeremiah in chapter 20, verse 9, he saw the spiritual declension in the nation, the sexual immorality, how the priesthood had uh, fallen away from the, the primary things of God. And he was about ready to give up, like a lot of pastors are today. You, you know, yeah. I'm sure you come in contact with a lot of pastors mm-hmm. who are, you know, they talk about how many are ready to quit the ministry. And COVID certainly added to that. And Jeremiah's cry was, you know, I was, basically, I was ready to give up, but 
you put a fire in my bones and I couldn't mm-hmm. help but speak. I couldn't help but give a message from God. And that's the way my father was. Particularly, one of the sermons in here is, is called The Vision. And uh, it, back in the 70s, he had a vision of things to come. Mm-hmm. And he talked about prophetically some things that everybody thought he was crazy. Like, you know, even his own staff said, don't, don't preach that. Don't write that. Don't send that out as a newsletter. And he said, I have to. It's, it's shut up in my bones. And now, you know, that book is kind of a classic and so that the original sermon that he preached in the seventies, and uh, but I remember as a kid seeing him going through that, where his friends were, you know, just telling him he's a lunatic, he's lost it, and he'll lose his ministry, and him just saying, "So be it," but I'm going to obey God, hmm. and that wow. ins- that inspired me, and that was that's that's probably one of my favorite, yeah, the fire in his bones and the vision, those two. What an awesome mm-hmm. legacy and testimony. Could you see it like as as his son, like okay, here's dad at home in the kitchen, and then like. Here's dad in the pulpit where God's spirit's clearly fill, filling him. Yeah. Not, I, not that he wasn't filled with the spirit at home, but like like you were saying, something unique that God was doing in his life as he yeah. brought the word. You know, Eric, you and I both know there are Bible teachers and pastors. When they get up to the pulpit, they put on a, a fake persona. Yeah. You know, they change their voice. And right. I'm a man of God. You know? Yeah. And it's just, you know it, you know, if you have any... Uh, discernment at all you know it's not who they really are yeah so it wasn't that at all but it was something real i mean like something came over him anointing from god uh, anointing yeah, yeah that would be that'd be the right word for it anointing that just he just took it serious and i remember times traveling with him and we did pastors conferences together and uh they'd be getting ready to introduce him and he wasn't anywhere to be found and i'd have to go find him and he'd be mm. in the, what's called the green room on his knees, just crying, like, God, give me a word. These people need a word from heaven. Mm. I was like, wow. I mean, he's taking mm. this stuff serious, mm. you know, because I'm more of a Bible teacher. So I'm like, okay, I got my notes prepared. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he had that sense of thing. And I, and I, I hope I did service to his message uh, in this book by, mm. you know, it's harder to capture sometimes in written form that that anointing and that passion. But uh, yeah. I think it came through. But, uh, but as far as t- to finish your question— when he came home, he was fun. He was relaxed. He was joyful. Uh, but I would also say he was had lots of integrity. He was, you know, I'd never heard him preach something. I go, like, oh, you know, he, he doesn't believe that or he doesn't live that. Hmm. It was always born out of his life. So if he's preaching, for instance, on prayer, hmm. and I go, like, man, prays three hours a day. So hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna believe him. And, yeah. And I think that's part of the anointing comes. God honors our voice when it is compatible with our lifestyle. Hmm where it's not hypocrisy. Yeah. 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 That's really powerful. So fire in his bones is a collection of 50 sermons where really you, you, you probably took your, your 50 favorite sermons yeah. and said, let's put them together. Did you have to do much editing or kind of br- bringing them up to yeah. 2023 times uh, and language bit, a little, little bit? bit of the language, a little bit of references of, you know, um, you know, the early days, a DVD player or, a, right. you know, the, the A-track that he put the, in his car or something like that. <laughs> Cassette tape. Yeah. Yeah. yeah all, those, all those old things. Yeah. So there's a little bit of that, but more so, you know, his sermons were, you know, close to an hour long. And a chapter in this book, you know, you couldn't do it verbatim. Yeah. Uh, so basically we had to, how can we get it honed down to where we don't lose the, the fire of it, uh, but it, it has the, the, the meat to it, but not so quite so long. Well, I'm looking forward to to reading it for sure. Do you have you. A, a favorite chapter or sermon in the book? There's it uh, depends on what mood I'm in. Uh, okay, classically it would be "Fire in Our Bones." Yeah, uh, the other one would be uh, "The Vision." 
Uh, but then there's a whole series of about four or five sermons that came in a time of his life where he realized with that fire that he had, some of it was personal passion. Some of it was ambition. Some of it was a drivenness. Uh, some of it was anger even. And he went through a season. He actually took a whole year off ministry hmm. and just got some uh, books from the, 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 the Puritans or the Reformers, uh, John Owen and uh, some of these great writers. And he just spent a year uh, in these things. And he came out with what he called, the not, not that it was new to him, but uh, he understood that he began to grasp the new covenant, hmm. that it wasn't by works. It was the grace of God. that, uh, And so that gave him a freshness. He grew up in a home that was very legalistic. Okay. Uh, he wasn't allowed to go to baseball games, or oh, wow. uh, they didn't have a washing machine or a dryer in their house. They thought that was, you know, kept women from doing the women's work. Oh wow! Uh, so uh, he he grew up in that. So uh, I I'm not going to try that at home with my wife. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> yeah, and uh, she'll try murder probably. Yeah, if you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just that 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 those were some of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's really cool. How I do you too. hope this book impacts the readers? Like if. If someone's thinking about going out and picking it up, you know, what would you hope the impact would be? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, thank yeah. you for asking me that. That I would say it would be to the stirring of the heart. Mm. You know, sometimes we we get complacent, um, or, or our Christian life just seems. You know, the, the Bible says He came to give us life and life more abundant. Mm. But you, you would know this more than me as a pastor of a large church. A lot of Christians are not feeling like this doesn't feel very abundant. If this is abundance, I'd hate to see what mediocrity would be like. Mm. And so I, I would pray that this book would stir the passions of the heart to to a return to the centrality of Jesus. I, I'd say if there was a theme of the book, the fire in our bones, in his bones, is not personal passion. It's not zeal. It's not uh, gritting the teeth and clenching the fist saying, I can do this. That's not real fire in the bones. The fire in the bones is when you understand what Christ has installed mm-hmm. within us, that he, he's put his spirit, uh, we're the temple, he lives within us. And that's the, that, if that's not the fire, then it's, you know, there's, remember the, uh, the two sons of Eli? Yeah. And they offered strange incense. It wasn't real fire. It, it was of their own making. Mm-hmm. And you see that in Christian life a lot of time. I'm going to make the fire myself by my own striving, by my own uh, will, by my own discipline, all those things are good. Discipline, discipline, <laughs> discipline, will, all those things are good, but they have to come out of a, a, a grace-driven effort, not an effort to earn your favor before God. Yeah, yeah. So that 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 would be, I think, chapter by chapter. By the time somebody got reading done reading this, it would stir their affections. Remember uh, uh, the, the old sermon about the by Edwards, Jonathan Edwards, yeah. about, about the stirring of the affections. I think that would happen here. That's great. I'd love to talk about that more after the break of just the the importance of the new covenant, God's grace, not slipping back under this law mindset and how that really does produce in us a a genuine work of God. So we've got Gary Wilkerson with us, World Challenge uh, president, also the author of Fire in His Bones. We're going to head to a break and stay with us right after the break. Also want to remind you that today's show does turn into a podcast. Anywhere that you find your podcast, you can search for us. Crosswalk Colorado Springs. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Hope you're doing well. 
Looks pretty cold and rainy out there. Maybe some snow tonight. We're live in studio. Gary Wilkerson is with me, president of World Challenge. If you'd like to learn more, you can go to worldchallenge.org. He's just written a book, Fire in His Bones. It's a collection of 50 sermons from his dad, David Wilkerson. Just before the break, we were talking about this concept of the new covenant and grace. And before the show, uh, we were talking and, and you kind of coined this phrase that captured my attention and gospel law and how as believers, we believe that Jesus died for our sins and rose again, but then we start to really try to do things through our own works and our own efforts and really slip back into a a workspace relationship with the Lord. And then with the book, you're saying that's really the fire in our bones is this understanding of grace that that's current, not just past tense. Could you go into that a little bit more for us? Yeah. The fire in our bones is finally realizing Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Mm. And uh, that brings an aha moment in our life and brings a wow. Sometimes Mm. that happens uh, right when somebody meets Christ, they realize they're hopeless. They can't do anything. Yeah. Other times it's a longer term experience where you realize how grateful you are for the mercies of the cross of Jesus Christ. But then you go like, okay, tag, I'm it now. Thanks, Jesus, for saving me. Because you did such a great work in my life, I want to respond in kind and do a great work for you. You know, the Bible Mm -hmm. says he loved us and he gave himself for us. Mm. And instead of appreciating that, sometimes we want to say, I love you and I'll give my life for you. Mm. We reverse it rather than receive it. Mm. And I, I think that's a... That's this whole law gospel thing. Uh, Pastor Eric, you and I are Christians, and our churches are evangelical Christians because of these two words, law and gospel. Hmm. Martin Luther, when he was living under the law, I can do this. I can be optimistic, and out of my optimism, I can earn God's favor. And he realized, actually, the law worked in us and in him the way it's supposed to. Um, it, It commands things. It demands things. It it um, it it is ordinances, but there's no power. It doesn't grace us with the ability to do it. Is what it's asking, and mm-hmm. that seems almost unkind of God. Why would He? Uh, you know, there's a passage of scripture in Romans says, "Why then the law? Yeah. If if it if it does this to us, why give it to us?" Uh, the answer is, is beautiful because it shows us the sinfulness of sin. Paul said, "Sin increased in me." When And I, I don't think he meant like I started drinking more right. or partying more. I think he meant I realized how how much a sinner I really was. I, my good works were not sufficient. I couldn't tip the scale. I couldn't look at my sin and go like, okay, I've sinned this much. You know, I, I've sinned 20 pounds, so I have to do 20 pounds of good work. He realized you could never merit God's favor or love. And so, so he began to describe and, uh, you know, I've been giving myself to study this lately how, you know, there's pretty much two things in Scripture, and when we get them convoluted, it, it, it throws us off. We get depressed, discouraged, and again, that's what the law is supposed to do, yeah. uh, drive us to our need for Christ and see, see the, and that's where I, you know, for me, I just go, oh, man, this, this is not technique. This is not dry doctrine. This is the, seeing the glory of God in the face of Jesus uh, and what he's done for us on the cross it uh, it's 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 far beyond what we really could fully grasp in the sense of honoring God for what He's done for us, but it's sure worth trying. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I love Colossians two six. It says, "As we've received Christ, so walk in Him." 
you know, how do you receive Christ? You, you're, you're broken, humility, faith, yeah. you receive grace. And then somehow once we're saved, we're like, okay, I've got to make this all work on my own. Yeah. Instead of going, God, would you bless my marriage by your grace through the blood of Jesus? Yeah. You know, would you use my life by, by your grace? And it seems like we slip back into this employee, employer kind of mindset. <laughs> good like, God, I did my devotions today. I'm expecting a cookie, you know, yeah. instead of really trusting in the new covenant that God loves me based, not based on whether I did my devotions today or not. And, yeah. and really trusting his goodness uh, going forward in our lives. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, it's, it's hard because my flesh loves the law, right? It, it wants to go back to, yeah. to relying on myself instead of on the Lord in that yeah. way. Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, the old song says, uh, prone to wander, prone to yeah. believe the one I love. Yeah. That, that proneness to go back to the law, the proneness to wander is not always, I'm going to go back and commit adultery or gamble. It's, it's, I can wander from this very thing you're talking about, grace. And I, I think that's really where, where we wander is that, that, uh, and so, but I, I don't think there's any power in us to say, okay, I'm going to keep myself from wandering. That's law in itself. Uh, I'll do better. I'll try harder. I'll, I'll go to church more often. I'll pray more often. I'll worship more uh, with more vigor and vitality. I'll, I'll stay focused on grace. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's actually the law itself, you know, and when the, the scribe came to Jesus in Luke 12 and said, or 10, um, he said, you know, what must I do to receive eternal life? Okay, that's a grace question. And strangely enough, Jesus didn't answer in kind by grace. He answered by law saying, what does the law say? And the response was, love God with all your heart, love your soul, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we think that's grace. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to love people. I'm going to love God with all my heart. It's actually Jesus said it himself. What does the law say? The law says, uh, you know, do this and you'll live. That's Jesus used Moses' Old Testament before the Ten Commandments. He used the same phrase, do this and you shall live. So Jesus was telling this scribe, keep the law. If you, if you can do it, give it a shot. You know, love God perfectly. That's what the law says. Um, and what it does, it drives us to our knees and say, okay, I, I need Christ. And the problem is, I think sometimes we don't understand the gospel so all that's left for us is the law. Uh, mm. We don't understand the sufficiency that's of powerful. Christ. That yeah. he that when he said it is finished, I mean he meant it. It's like it wasn't like I'm done suffering on the cross. Praise God, I'm done. It's finished. My my pain is done. He was saying the complete work of the cross has become sufficient for you now, and he can sit down at the right hand of God, mm. uh, just let, letting us know that we are now righteous in in Christ. So. I don't know if we're probably running out of time, but uh, there's there's three things about the cross that I think are important for us to know to get away from the law. Uh, do I have about yeah we we got two three, minutes we got three minutes before a break. Okay, so. I'll try to do one yeah one one thing. The first of all is uh, the cleansing of our sin, and that's the one most Christians know. I was a sinner, and He took my sin on Him. He who knew no sin became sin for us. So so there's there's getting rid of our sin, but you may disagree with this, but. Getting rid of sin is not sufficient to get you into right relationship with God. Also, does give you a clean slate. You need the second work of the cross is the imputation of Christ. That's right, not only yeah. did he take our sin on him, but he imputed his righteousness to us. Some Christians know the second one, but very few know, I think, the third one, which is, is found in Hebrews, where it talks about he, you know, when he paid the penalty, then he sat down at the right hand of God. Hebrews 7 says, as an intercession for us. And I don't think that means praying for us. I don't think Jesus needs to pray to his Father for us. Uh, 
but it's an advocating like a lawyer for us saying, uh, you know, Pastor Eric, Pastor Gary, they've been made righteous now by my finished work for them. And all they have to do now, they can't do it by the law. Now they just have to receive it, mm. uh, the grace that comes from God. So good. So And that powerful. was in three minutes too, wasn't it? Yeah, it really, gets me so excited. gets me pumped up. <laughs> it's, so, it's, so thankful for Christ. It's yeah. what it should be. That's, yeah. that, that's where we receive that abundant life. Yeah. That's, that's where joy, the joy of the Lord being our strength, is, it comes from that, from the, the, the finished work of the cross. Yeah, that's great. Hey, I think that's the best two minutes I've ever heard. That was, wow. that was really good. Well, what, what an honor to awesome. hear that. That's, so, you that's got pretty cool. Gary Wilkerson, World Challenge. If you want to learn more about World Challenge, you can go to worldchallenge.org. Also, encourage you to go pick up his book. It's Fire in His Bones. Uh, if someone wants to pick up your book, uh, Gary, where do they find it? Uh, we recommend Amazon yeah. uh, just because it, it uh, helps spread They're the word. They're the best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it com- comes quick. Yeah. Uh, we actually, you can get it through our worldchallenge.org. Uh, but it takes, you know, four or five days. Uh, but, you know, Amazon is quick. And if they buy the book on Amazon, it kind of helps us get uh, a better place uh, where other people can see the book and stuff yeah. like that. So we can do that. And we'd love if somebody gets it and, and reads it and appreciates it. Maybe put a, a little uh, written thing for us there, an endorsement. That'd be, yeah. That'd be great. It sounds good. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. Thanks so much uh, for listening. I've really enjoyed uh, today's show, having Gary Wilkerson on me, president of World Challenge. I should say Gary Wilkerson with me. Okay. <laughs> I, think I, I think I messed that up a little I'm bit. Come on, man. Come so. on. I'm on it. Uh, Gary, you're passionate about seeing the church awakened, and through that, the church or the the church awakened to see the country impacted. Yeah. Uh, how would you say that the church needs to be awakened or might be awakened? Um, I think the the problems that we're facing, you know, it might be harder for you to see this because you're in such a healthy church mm. and, and you might imagine all churches function that way, but the reality is probably half the churches we come in contact with are having a trouble. Either pastors are discouraged and ready to give up or they're finding in a, probably in a good heart, but but wanting to try to find something to awaken their church, to grow mm. their church, to and so sometimes they they give into gimmicks mm. uh, and entertainment driven gospel, mm. uh, materialistic gospel. Uh, I even have a little bit of problem with a nationalistic gospel, like mm-hmm. America is the church and the church is America, right? And so you know we we can get diverted from the centrality and what Paul called the simplicity of the gospel yeah, and into other things. So our pastors conferences that we do are caring for the heart of pastors because they're like Jeremiah who saw the spiritual condition of the nation and were ready to give up um, and yet get restored that fire in their bones. And so a lot of the times when people hear we do these pastors conferences and write books like fire in our bones, they think we're there to encourage pastors, and we are because they need it. But sometimes, you know, if a pastor's living in adultery, he doesn't need encouraged. He needs corrected and rebuked. Right. Uh, if he's if he's given into the f- false teaching of faith and prosperity movement, he, he needs biblical correction. So, yeah. you know, Paul told Timothy to reprove, rebuke, correct. There's three pretty negative, strong words before he gets to the fourth word, and encourage so a lot of people say, oh, it's so great. You're going out there and encouraging these pastors. And I kind of like, hmm. like, yeah, we, but 
my greatest encouragement is where a man speaks like Nathan did to David into my life and says, mm-hmm. you know, thou art the man. There has to yeah. be some changes come in your life. Yeah. And, and as the pastor changes, the church changes. As mm-hmm. the church changes, I believe the community changes. And sometimes we skip a, a, a we step over the church being God's instrument for culture. Yeah. That we expect culture to change through other means. And I, I believe the church is the greatest hope for America. Yeah. And pastors are the greatest hope to bring that church on fire. So we want to see pastor, Christian leaders, ministry leaders, missionaries. We want to see them revive, their hearts revived, so that they could be vessels used by God to awaken our nation. Because there's yeah. no other hope. I don't I don't find hope as good as politics can be and as good as it is to be a patriot. Uh, I don't find hope in politics. I don't right. find hope in material goods. I don't find hope in uh, economic strength and educational systems. Yeah, uh, those are all good, but I find it in the gospel first. Yeah, and then as we in- integrate those that that life of Christ into society, we make a difference in the world. Yeah, I love it because I think it's such a a ripe time for the gospel. It is. You know, you see so much uh, confusion, people looking for answers. Things are really dark. That's a lot of times when God does his his greatest work. Absolutely. And, you know, the Jesus movement in the 60s, there's a lot of parallels to our culture today. And I would love to see a, a movement of the gospel and it, it really starting in the heart of pastors, you yeah. know, to like we were just talking about, you know, a fresh encounter with the gospel yeah. and, and being excited to proclaim the gospel. But I think a lot of people listening feel like, oh, my coworkers, they either already know the gospel or they're not interested but I think the exact opposite is true. Like, like people are interested in Jesus and Christ is, is doing a work. I read a study recently that two out of three people in America want to grow spiritually. Now that's a big bucket. They may not be looking for Jesus necessarily, but they're at least acknowledging the spiritual component to their life. And I think it, it's a really amazing time for the church to be awakened Absolutely. and for the gospel to go out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just that statistics is phenomenal. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, uh, we had a board meeting at World Challenge yesterday, and one of our board members uh, just wrote a book. And uh, in it, he, he mentions that eighty. Like, the statistics found out that eighty percent of people said they would love to come to church if somebody would invite them. Wow! But they don't know where to go or what mm. kind of church they would like or not like. And yeah. so, uh, so, so, yeah, the uh, people are not as hardened to the gospel mm. as we might think. Yeah, uh, I think there's a real openness and. It's it's if people can get that uh, I call it a baptism of love just yeah. fall in love with Jesus like fall that. in love with people yeah know, and get that you know sometimes in charismatic circles which kind of my background uh, we talk about the baptism of the spirit but yeah. we don't talk much about a baptism of love where hmm. where can I really love people in a, in a deep way and that's that's part of the fire in our bones is hmm. is the love for Christ and love for other people hmm. but that uh, say, say that statistic one more time. So two yeah. out of every three Americans express that they want to grow spiritually. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's, yeah. that's, and could you imagine if we had the right response to them? Yeah. That w- what, what would happen in our, in our nation? Yeah. That'd be it's exciting. It'd be so phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about your, your conferences, Fire in His Bones. I, I know you've got one coming up uh, in August and, and how can listeners attend? Maybe they, yeah. they've been touched and they're like, I, I want to. Come to a conference. Yeah, we just yeah. Uh, we did one not long ago in San Diego. I had about 600 pastors, other Christian leaders there as well. And uh, yeah, if you just want more of Jesus, you can come too. You don't okay. have to be a pastor or leader. Yeah. Uh, and, we, and we've been doing these conferences for about 25 years. I have never seen, you know, that, the revival you're talking about, that hunger. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's kind of like somebody told me it was similar to like Elijah's, the, the, it's the size of a, 
the the cloud of the mm. size of a man's hand. It's, yeah. it's kind of out there. It's small, but I saw that spiritual hunger in these mm. leaders like never before. And the primary comment we got back from them is like, "This was so refreshing. You didn't. You weren't selling us anything. Mm. You weren't trying to promote." Uh, 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 this or that or 10 steps of how to do that. You just brought us back to the cross. You brought us back to the centrality of Jesus. And they also, this is what we need. We can, mm. we can take care of, you know, we're, we're wise enough to figure out how to lead small groups or, right. or do church finances, board, yeah. do church finances. But if we, if we do all that without mm. a, a Christocentric heart, then we've lost the, the power of the gospel. And so that was good. Anyway, the next one then is in New York city in August, August two through four, at Times Square Church in Manhattan. It'll be a great time. We have mm. uh, Shane and Shane come and do the music. Plus, even if they weren't coming, the Times Square Church worship team, mm. uh, off the hook, man. They are just a, a bit of soul gospel, a little bit of contemporary worship. And uh, I'll be there preaching and mm-hmm. some of the pastors from Times Square Church. An elderly man, he's in his 80s, his name R.T. Kendall. Uh, he took over for D. Martin Lloyd-Jones in London. Mm. And uh, very interesting character, but uh, has so much to say. Uh, for Christian leaders and those who are hungry for more of more of God, and uh, we're we're looking forward to a good time together. So, it should come. Yeah, you can find out about it at uh, worldchallenge.org. dot org. Sounds uh, good. Yeah, just look it up and look under conferences or events, and you can find out more about it. That's great. And then, how about if listeners are like, "Man, I just seem to be really connecting with your heart and World Challenge, and they want to get involved in a gospel movement." Uh, can people serve? Can they give? How do they plug in more with World Challenge? Thank you yeah. for asking that. Yeah, the online, they're certainly, um, you know, not only this messaging we do, but we really spend probably almost half of our income uh, in poverty solutions, helping the poorest of the poor. And that's been so great to partner with you guys, mm-hmm. your church in Uganda and uh, in, in Peru, because uh, you guys are doing it so well. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we trust your heart and your missions team. They did such a good job. Uh I saw the work you guys did in Uganda, hmm. and that was good. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they could so they could help us help others uh, by yeah. donating World Challenge. But I would also say, if anything they've heard today about law gospel, about the new covenant, about fire in our bones, uh, you know, if you can't come to a conference uh, or you know, and you don't want to read, you don't want to get the book, uh, you know, uh, we do a podcast. You were a guest, wonderful job. You were a guest on our podcast. It's called the Gary Wilson Podcast. Or at World Challenge, we have sermon series. Uh, I'm doing an expository teaching on the through the book of Psalms. I'm mm. only on chapter 32, and it's a year long now. Yeah. I picked too long a book, man. I don't know if you've ever that's done that marathon. before. That's I, a marathon. That's a marathon. That's a marathon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so the, but all those are online, uh, the, the Psalm series, where we highlight Christ in the book of Psalms. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. Other, other resources like that that are available for folks. Well, Gary, thanks so much for coming in. It's been great that's to have great. you. So. It's a joy to be with you. You're the light, man. <laughs> Make sure to check out his book, Fire in His Bones. God bless you guys. Have a great night. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.